Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are going like, why do we do this every year? Like every year it's Easter. Every year it's like we're going to do all this stuff for Easter and all that. I don't understand. Why do we put all our eggs in that one basket? Come on, see what I did right there? You like, you like that, right? Like why, why, do we, why do we do this stuff that we do every year at this time? And I'll tell you, here's the why behind the what. The why is because we want to be good neighbors, In fact, that's what we've been learning in this series. What does it look like to be a good neighbor? And we've been learning this fact that, hey, life is not just about us, that God actually wants to use us to make a difference in the lives of the people around us and the people that are hurting and our friends and our neighbors and and in our community. And so in order to learn to be a good neighbor, we've been studying this incredibly famous story, this parable that Jesus tells called the parable of the good Samaritan. How many, how many ever heard that parable before, right? Of course, it's a very famous parable. And in this story that we've been looking at, we've just been kind of breaking it down. We've actually learned that in order to be a good neighbor, there's some things that God has called us to do. In fact, the first week of the series, we talked about that if we're going to be a good neighbor, we got to be people who have a care for those who are hurting, right? Pastor Joshua, man, he told us, man, he brought it. He told us about how to have compassion for people that are around us and people that are hurting. And and we learned about that. Then last week, Pastor Amber, man, she brought an incredible message. and, And she taught us that it's not just about caring for those that are hurting, but also it's about daring to love those people that are different than us. We all have those people in our lives too, right? The people that that maybe believe different or think different or look different or maybe they're in a different economic status or different skin color and all of those things. But God has called us as the people of God, as the family of God, to dare to go beyond ourselves in order to love people that are different than us, right? Now today what we're gonna learn is that we're not just called to care for those that are hurting and we're not just called to dare to go beyond ourselves, but we are called as the people of God to prepare, everybody say prepare, to prepare a place where everybody can feel welcomed. In fact, that's what we find in this story. Like like if you don't know the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus basically, he says, hey, he's telling this story to teach us what it's like to be a good neighbor. And he says, hey, there was this guy who was going along the road and he got got beat up and and he was left there basically by, by thieves, left there to die. And two religious people came by, a priest and a Levite, and they saw the man. In fact, we got a good picture of it when Joshua was talking about it. I mean, just barely on the other side of the road, they saw him and yet they just walked right by. But there was another man, a Samaritan man, a man who was different than the Jewish man that was there. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he dared to love him, even though he was different than him. And then he picks him up. And I want you to see what happens in this passage in in Luke chapter 10. I I want you to notice uh, what we see. It says, and the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the man at the inn. And he said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense 
that you have. So here's this guy. He cares for the man. He dares to reach beyond. But then he picks him up, puts him on his donkey, and takes him to an inn. And, and there we see another man in the story. See, here's what happens a lot of times is that we only look at the good Samaritan, who of course was a good neighbor. But there was also another good neighbor in the story. It was the man at the inn. The man who had prepared this place so that this other man who was hurting could come in and could be received and could be loved and could be and could find healing. And here's what I want us to see today is yes, we're called to be good Samaritans, but we're also as a church called to be good innkeepers. In fact, that's what we are as a church. We are a place. We already talked about it, a house of miracles, a, a place of healing, a place where those who are hurting and those who are broken and those who feel like they don't have a home can come in and can find, find a place that they are welcomed and they are loved. In fact, this is what Paul was talking about in this passage I want us to look at together today. In Romans chapter 15, Let, let's read it together. Look what Paul says for us to do. He says, so warmly what? Say these words out loud. Warmly welcome, like three of you said it out loud. Let's try that again, ready? Warmly welcome each other into the church, just as Christ has warmly welcomed you. And then what will happen? God will be glorified. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying our job as the house of God, as the people of God, as the church, our job is to prepare a place where people can come and feel welcomed. Now, there's a Bible word for this. The Bible word, are you ready for this? The Bible word is hospitality. Everybody say hospitality. Hospitality. Now, when I say hospitality, you probably have thoughts that come into your mind. You probably think about stuff like, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines or Hobby Lobby or, you know, maybe you think about Martha Stewart or, you know, Southern hospitality or that kind of thing. And, and that's a part of hospitality. But actually, biblical hospitality is so much bigger than that. Like, biblical hospitality is this idea of welcoming in outsiders. And that's what God has called us to do as the church, as the people of God. The Bible has called us to be people who have hospitality. And we, see, we actually see this word kind of all through the scripture. I just brought a, a few scriptures where we see this word. Let's look at them together. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, Paul says it like this, that we should share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, sometimes it doesn't come naturally to be hospitable to people. And so what do we have to do? We have to practice it, right? And that's what we're doing this morning. Let's look at another one. In Hebrews chapter 13, the Hebrew writer says it like this. Oh, this one is, this one's kind of crazy. Look what he says. He says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Now think about that. I mean, think about our hospitality team back here. Don't they do a great job making us feel welcome and all that kind of stuff? Hospitality team, imagine you're serving coffee or donuts or whatever to somebody and it's a stranger that you don't know and it actually turns out to be an angel from God. Ooh, that's kind of crazy, right? And that's why we should be showing hospitality to everyone, everywhere that we go. Look what Peter says about it, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 9. He says, offer hospitality to one another. Listen to this, it's so important. Without grumbling. <laughs> Some of you parents are like, I need to show my kids this verse. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, here's the, here's the thing. 
it's not just what we do, it's even how we do it, right? And this is what God has called us to be, to be like the innkeeper in the story of the Good Samaritan, to open our doors to everyone so that those who are hurting, so that those who feel alone can be welcomed in, that we would be people who would practice hospitality because we never know who it actually might be that we are showing hospitality to, that we would do it with the heart of God, with the heart of love, with the right attitude, right? And why, why is this? If you're taking notes, write it down. First of all, I want you to see this because people feel like outsiders. Increasingly, more and more in the world that we live in, people are feeling unwanted, unneeded, unloved, unwelcomed, disenfranchised. I mean, all you gotta do is open social media. All you gotta do is look at the news and you see that this is, this is everywhere. And, it, and it's especially a big thing in the church a lot of times. Because we've all hit, heard it and seen it. You hear me talking about invite someone to church and I bet you have a story in your mind where you're like, I tried to invite someone to church and they said, well, I've tried that before and I went and I didn't feel welcome. Or why would I go? Because I don't think I would fit in there. Or, I'm not sure those people would would want me to be a part of what they're doing there, right? Come on, how many have experienced that or heard or seen of somebody that's like, I don't know if I could go to church because I don't know if I'd be welcome there, right? And more and more and more, we find that people are feeling these feelings of being disenfranchised and being unwanted or unneeded or unwelcomed. And that's why God has called us to be like that in, in that story, a place where those who are hurting and broken and those who are alone, those who have no one to help them, a place where they can come and they can, we practice hospitality. We open our doors and we say, everyone is loved and welcomed here in God's house. Why? Because people feel that. But more than that, not just because people feel unwelcome, but listen to this. Why do we show hospitality? Why do we welcome others in like that innkeeper? Because that's what God has done for us. Because we were all once outsiders. In fact, look what Paul says. Look at this in Romans chapter 15 and verse seven. We already read it. He says, so warmly welcome each other into the church just as what? As Christ has warmly welcomed us. What is he saying? He's saying, here's why we do it. Because we remember that we were on the outside, but God opened the door to us. That we were unwelcomed and unwanted and we were alone, but God adopted us into his family. And so if that's what Christ has done for us, then isn't that what God would call us to do for everyone in this community around us? And that's what it means to be a good neighbor. It means not just to stop when you see someone that is hurting. It means to prepare a place, a house, a place, the church. That's what we're all about. A family, a body that is prepared for anyone to come in and feel welcomed with the love of God and with the love of a church family. So if that's going to happen, what does that got to look like? Well, I think there's four things that we're going to have to practice. Remember, we talked about practicing hospitality. So we're going to practice these four things. If we're going to be this kind of a house, this kind of a place, we're going to prepare a place for all to feel welcome. So if you're taking notes, write them down. The first one is this, is that we're going to have to, we're going to, have to practice intention. Everybody say intention. We're going to have to get intentional about creating a place where people feel loved 
We got to get intentional about seeing things through the eyes of those that are on the outside. And this is hard. It's hard sometimes to remember what it was like. In fact, here's what I know. Many of you that are in this room today, like you've been in church for a long time. Many of you, I'm so thankful, have been here at LifeGate for a long time. That's awesome, I love that. But here's what I also know, is that if we've been in church for a long time, if you've been in the same church for a long time, it's easy to kind of forget what it's like to be someone who is new. Like I know this. You know why I know this? Because as a lead pastor, I don't visit other churches very often. I'm here about 50 out of the 52 Sundays every year. You know what I'm saying? And so I, you know, you walk in, you're like, I know where everything's at. I know who everybody is. I know what to expect when I come in. But man, when you go to a new place, like I know sometimes, you know, we'll take our family on vacation. Sometimes when we're on vacation, I'll just be real. Sometimes we don't go to church because we're like, hey, we're on vacation. You know what I'm saying? But sometimes we do, and I, and I can remember some of the times when we get all our family gathered up in some other city and some other church and place that we don't, we don't know anybody. And I'm thinking one specific time, we go to this great church and, and yet we go in, I don't know a single person that's there. Our family doesn't know anybody that attends that church. It's completely in a different state, in a different city. And I remember like, I'm typically a pretty confident guy, you know, I'm having problem talking. I talk in front of people every week, you know what I'm saying? And, and yet I'm walking in as, as we're pulling into the parking lot and I'm going like, which door do we go to? And, and I'm walking in, I'm going, I don't know anybody here. And I'm feeling a little bit insecure. You know what I'm saying? And like, I got to check my kid into the class and what's the class going to be like? And how are they going to treat him? And is he going to be okay while I go into service for the next hour and 20 minutes while he's in here by himself? And I'm like all of, and I'm going, you know, I don't even drink coffee. Do they have Diet Coke somewhere around here? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and you're feeling that, right? And the truth is like, it's easy to forget what that feeling feels like when you've been coming to the same church every week for the last year, two, five, 10, for me, 17 years. Like it's easy to forget what it feels like to be somebody that is new. And that's why we have to be intentional. Like we have to practice intention. We have to start seeing things through the eyes of what we call it here at LifeGate. We call it seeing through the eyes of the one. And the idea is like, what about the one? It's the stories in, in Luke that Jesus tells. He says there was a guy who had, it was a shepherd. He had a hundred sheep and one was lost. So he left the 99 to go and find the one. And there was a woman who had 10 coins and one of the coins got lost. So she lit a lamp and spent all night sweeping the house, looking for the one coin that was lost. There was a man who had two sons and one of the sons was lost and the father's heart was broken until that son came back. And that's our heart here is to go, what about the one? What about, what about the people in our community that are like that lost sheep or that are like that lost coin or like that are the lost sons and the lost daughters that we want to see everything that we do here through their eyes. Like we want to remember what it would be like to be a one and to walk into church and to drive into the parking lot and we know where to park, but they don't. We know where the main entrances are, but they, they don't know. And walk in and we know everybody that we see and we're talking to our friends, but man, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, a little like, I don't know anybody here. I gotta take my kids and drop them off and we know where to do it and how it works because we're here every week, but those who are new, 
And this is what God has called us to do, to practice intention, to be intentional about thinking about, like it's not just about me coming in and I know everything that's going on. No, it's about me seeing things through the eyes of that one that might walk in on a Sunday morning or that might come on Easter to be a house that is welcoming to everybody. To be like that innkeeper, we're gonna have to practice intention. The second thing that we're gonna have to do is we're gonna practice preparation. Everybody say it, preparation. We gotta prepare a place. That's what the innkeeper did. He had the place ready. He could receive the man that had been broken. He could receive him in because the place was ready. Anybody ever gone to a hotel and you got a reservation and you get there and they don't have your room ready? Come on. I mean, that's frustrating, right? (laughs) But this guy, like, he was on it. He had the place ready, he had the room ready. In fact, it reminds me of that story we just told about the the father whose son was lost and every day he would wait for his son to return. And when his son finally comes home, what what does the father say? He says, hey, go, it's interesting. Look Look what it says in Luke 15 and 23. He says, go and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let's have this feast and let's celebrate because my son has come home. Now, I never thought about this before, but I want you to think about this for just a minute. Like, you, you, don't, you don't fatten a calf in a day, right? Like, I know, we just go down to Bronze and get a burger, you know what I'm saying? But, but back in that day, like, they're going to have a feast. What'd you have to do? You had to, it might have taken months to get the calf prepared to butcher it to have this feast. So what does that tell me? That tells me that the father was preparing. That in the father's heart... He was expecting that one day his son was going to come home. And when his son came home, he wanted to be ready. He wanted to be prepared so that they could throw a celebration so that his son could feel welcome when he came back home, right? And here's what God has called us to do, to be like that innkeeper or to be like that father. That every time we come together, we are preparing a place because we are expecting for ones to walk in the door and have a moment with God in their life to be changed, for the lost sons and daughters to come home to him. So we got to have a place that's ready. We got to have a place that's prepared. In fact, so that when they walk in, like, it's like, I don't know where to park. Guess what? We have parking attendants that are out there. And they got their cool green vests on. And they're like directing traffic. But they're not just directing traffic. Guess what? Those of you that are on the parking team, you are the first greeters of the church. You're the first people that people see. So it's not just about getting them in their parking lot. It's about smiling. It's about making them feel welcome. It's about saying, we're so glad that you're here. And they walk out of the parking lot. They don't know where to go. Where's the doors? We've got big old signs. And then we've got people holding signs there saying, welcome. And you look good today. And dad joke zone and all the little signs that we got. And, and it's not just about holding a sign or holding the door for someone. What is it about? It's about creating a place. It's creating a, an atmosphere so that people go, hey, I know it feels uncomfortable to come in. But somebody's there greeting me and making me feel maybe a little bit less uncomfortable. We got people at the, at the stations that are ready to check in the kids that, guess what, if you're checking in the kids, you're not just running the computer and checking. No, you're the next greeter to make someone feel welcome. And we got people on the production team making sure everything goes smooth so that there's no distractions from the message and the worship team preparing an atmosphere and people at the hospitality booth and prayer team that's been praying all morning before and ready to pray with people. Like I'm talking to every person that is serving somewhere is serving to create a house, to create a place that is prepared for ones to be able to come to come on I just I hadn't preached in a while I get a little excited this is what it's this is what it's all about 
Now here's the deal. If we're not careful, we just think that stuff just happens. You know? All that stuff I just said, like we enjoy it just like a first timer. And yet we come in every week. Some of you are not every week, all right, once a month or something, but uh, I'm just saying. It always makes it better if you just say, just saying, you know? But we come every week and all that stuff's here. But can I say something? I might have to say just saying after I say this too, but that stuff ain't for insiders. And sometimes we just say, well, it just happens. It's just, no, it takes dozens and dozens of people every single week to make all that. And I didn't even say all the stuff. I ran out of time. I just didn't. And so here's my prayer is that God's going to speak to some of your hearts and say, hey, I don't want to just that because that stuff's not for me anymore. I'm on the inside. I want to get, I want to get on a team somewhere. I want to be someone who's helping somebody find a place to park or helping, you know, greet somebody as they come in or working with the kids or serving on the production team or serving coffee or being on the prayer team or, or whatever that hosting online. So whatever that might be, because together we're creating this kind of place that's prepared for people to come in and their lives to be changed. And it takes all of us doing that. So that's my goal of today is to challenge you. If you're not on a team, it's time. Come on, get on a team. And Easter is a great time to start because we got more service and more people and more opportunities. In fact, we have our life team rally that's coming up this Saturday. Everybody say it, this Saturday, Saturday night. And here's what's gonna happen. If you show up to the life team rally, now don't just show up, you need to sign up first, all right? Because we need to know how much, pay, how much food to have and all that kind of stuff. But if you come to the life team rally this Saturday night, we will give you for free 99 one of these shirts. Come on, how many like these shirts, right? And all you got to do is show up to the live team rally on Saturday night. Some of you go, I'm already on a team. You get a shirt. I'm not on a team. You show up, we'll give you a shirt. Then we'll put you through a whole process to get you on a team serving somewhere. Because we want to be a people, a place that prepares a place for those who are hurting. So we got to practice intention. We got to practice preparation. We got to practice number three. We got to practice connection. Everybody say that, connection. Look at Romans chapter 15 again and see what... See what Paul says in the message. I like the way it reads here. It says, so reach out. Everybody say that, reach out. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Just, just Jesus did it and now you do it. I noticed this as I was reading it in the message that there's, a, there's an action involved. What does he say? He doesn't just say welcome people. He says, reach out and welcome people. That sometimes we're just gonna sit back and just wait for people and let's welcome them when they get here what does it say right there? It says, reach out to them. What would it be like if we came on Sundays and said, you know, church is not about me anymore. Like it might be about somebody else. And so maybe as I come in, like instead of just, you know, talking to my friend that I talk to every single week, maybe I look around and go, hey, maybe there's somebody here that I haven't met yet. I'm gonna reach out to them and help them connect. Maybe there's somebody over here sitting by themselves. I'm gonna go sit with them. Or I'm gonna say, hey, you wanna come sit with us? Maybe there's somebody who looks like they might be a little out of place. You're gonna go over and go, hey, 
My name is so-and-so. I'm so glad that you are here. Have I met you yet? If I haven't met you yet, or if I forgot your name, please forgive me because we do that sometimes too, right? But what if we just, just said, hey, I'm not, I'm not gonna just wait for somebody to make them feel welcome. I'm gonna reach out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look for someone who feels like they may not feel connected or welcome. And I'm gonna invite them in. When was the last time you went to somebody you didn't know? Here at church. And met them, asked their name connected with them, tried to help them get connected with somebody else. In fact, I'd like to make a new rule at LifeGate. You ready? Now, let's not call it a rule. Perhaps it's more of a guideline. Those of you that have seen Pirates of the Caribbean, you know what I'm talking about. It's not a code, it's a guideline. I don't know what that accent is. I don't know, that's terrible. But here's the three-minute guideline. You ready? The three-minute guideline goes like this. What if we decided that the first three minutes that we arrive or the first three minutes right after service, we're not going to talk to anybody that we already know. And we're just going to look around and find somebody that we don't know. Now, I'm not saying be rude. Hey, I can't talk to you. I already know you. No, I'm not saying that. (laughs) I'm just saying what if we said... Hey, for three minutes when we first get here, because we get to see our friends every week. And if you're close to them, they're going to stick around after service for a long time. You're going to chat. You're probably going to go to Rose's and eat with them. And I'll probably see you there, you know. (laughs) So what if we just said, hey, I can do that after the first three minutes. But right now I'm going to, like, I'm going to be about preparing a place so that people feel loved and people feel welcomed. No matter what state they're in in their life. I'm gonna remember what it's like. I'm gonna be intentional about remember what it was like when I walked in for the first time. And I'm gonna be a part on a team of preparing that place. And I'm gonna connect with people around so that this last thing that we can practice celebration. What do you do when you lose something and you search everywhere to find it? Maybe you lose your wallet, lose your keys. The other day, Amber, she lost her purse and she's searching around, can't find it. And finally, when she found it here at the church and she called me and she was like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I was so worried, but I found it, right? And isn't that what we do when something is lost, but then it becomes found? What do we do? We celebrate. We get excited. We tell everybody we know. And that's when we lost our our wallet or our keys or our purse. Now multiply that by about 10 million when that's your son or that's your daughter or that's your loved one. And that's what happens in Luke chapter 15. When the son comes home, what does the father do? Let's celebrate. My son who was lost has come home. Guys, that's what we do every Sunday. Because think about it. When I give the invitation in just a moment, people raise their hand and they come to relationship with Jesus and it happens almost every single Sunday. You know what? That's somebody's son. That's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's mom or dad or brother or sister or neighbor or someone that they love. And so what do we do? We, that's why every time I'm like, yeah, come on, let's clap, let's celebrate. Because people are, who are lost are coming home into relationship with God. And so this is what God has called us to do. This is why Easter we make a big deal and we have bounce houses and we do all the stuff because it's, it's, it's not just about a celebration of a holiday. It's a celebration of lives being changed. And we celebrate here. We, we throw a party every week, right? We throw a big party at Easter, but more than that, heaven is celebrating because lost people are coming home. And that's what God has called us to do, to be like that innkeeper. That we would prepare a place together so that those who are lost and hurting and broken 
and find a place where they're welcomed and they're loved and they can find healing and they can find life.